Commandos to the Fandom at Random podcast, where one man will try to speak for the next hour alone by himself and entertain you with tales of, I guess, football, sports. What's up, everybody? It's Ed at Random. And uh, yeah, if uh, you haven't guessed already, I'm by my lonesome today here in the studio, so I am going to do my best to keep on talking and let's face it ladies and gentlemen that's what i do best i don't know when to shut the hell up uh i do not have my co-host my cohort brian at random in studio today he's a little bit under the weather so you know man he's been he's been kicking ass he's been working hard i gave him the week off i'm like dude rest up i got this i got this shit so what do we have in store for you today well i i kind of wish brian was here because Yay, sports! We've got some Super Bowl-related fandom coverage going on, mainly uh, Super Bowl halftime shows. There's been some good ones. There's been some bad ones. We're going to talk about them all. And, I mean, just last year, we had some amazing moments in the Super Bowl. I mean, not the least of which... (laughs) Shakira, my God. Those hips do not lie. But we've got news. We've got so much shit jam-packed. I need to keep talking. Let's get right into the news, ladies and gentlemen. It's the news at random. Super Bowl edition. And we're going to kick the news off the way we've been kicking it off lately with some unfortunate fandom fatalities. Finish him. And this first one is a bummer, man. Dustin Diamond. Say what you want about the man post Saved by the Bell. He did some questionable shit in his life, but cut down way too early at the age of 44 after a battle with stage four lung cancer. And it came quick. I mean, Brian and I, we just talked a couple weeks ago. He was admitted to the hospital. That's when they found this stage four cancer. And they were optimistic that they could do something about it. And lo and behold, I mean, pretty much a month later, he, he's he gone. And, uh, you know, we mentioned there has been the new Saved by the Bell series that's been going on, that kind of reboot. And he was not a part of it. You know, he's got, he's had, he had other weird shit. You know, crazy shit going on in his life. That's all in the past, whatever. I mean, he was a comedic acting genius in the role of Screech on Saved by the Bell. I mean, you go back and he was such an integral part to that cast, that show. I loved it growing up. I loved his character growing up. Always made me laugh. I know he put a bunch of smiles on people's faces. So, it's a bummer. Uh, He will definitely be missed. And Christopher Plummer also passed away. If you're not familiar with Christopher Plummer, if you go way back when, all the way to the uh, the Sound of Music, classic, classic film, uh, he was the main lead in that, Captain Von Trapp of the Von Trapp family, one of the most popular movies of all time, and uh, another super popular movie that came out recently, which you may recognize him from, he was actually Harlan Thrombey in Knives Out, so uh, the, the head of the family that ends up uh, getting murdered, doing the air hashtags, uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Great, great film. But another Christopher Plummer, man. It's a bummer. Di- dead at 91. And then last one, Polly Lou Livingston. 
So you may not recognize the name or the face, but you'll definitely recognize the voice. She was actually Tree Trunks on Adventure Time. I love Adventure Time so much, as does my wife, and I know countless other people out there. Terrific show by Pendleton Ward, and it was a bummer. I mean, the if you watch Tree Trunks, you know, it's that classic, just old, nice lady. And uh, yeah, she has passed on. It sucks, but she will be missed, but she will live on forever in the terrific show that is Adventure Time. What else do we have going on? Let's talk a quick update. Quick update on the GameStop Game Stonks situation. So right now, uh, I mean, it's been crazy. The, the, The stock has been plummeting. Absolutely plummeting. It had a high of roughly $500. In the last week, it's dropped down to, it's in like the 50s right now. I bought into it luckily on the low end, so I'm not out too bad. But I know there are some people that heavily, heavily invested in this when it was still like three to $400 range, and they are way underwater right now. And it's kind of fitting, I mean, with the stock, because like GameStop itself, like when we were younger, you know, you'd buy a game for 60 bucks, you'd trade it in for 10 bucks. That's how it was. Now as an adult, I bought the stock for $400, I get to trade it back for $60. I mean, it comes full circle. So, <laughs> oh shit. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they can figure that shit out and the stock bounces back. We shall see, but, you know, the little guy, uh, the big guys right now have their eyes on the little guys trying to win in the stock market. That's never a good thing because uh, the big guys get some firepower. But, hey, man, fight the power. Fight the power. Uh, speaking of fighting the power, some uh, kind of cool news. Right now, uh, Democratic senators, they've actually vowed to legalize cannabis federally this year. So this has been kind of a, uh, a pipe dream for uh, hippie smokers, everybody out there for a long, long time, going all the way back to the 60s. And a lot of people said, hey, it'll never happen. Well, guess what? It, it probably going to happen. May not happen this year, but I would guess, you know, in, especially with a Democratic uh, House, Senate and president, there's a very good chance that uh, marijuana could be fully legalized federally in our country. I mean, it's it's already been legalized and decriminalized in multiple states. You know, the next logical step is federal decriminalization and legalization. And to me, it's a no-brainer. I mean, legalize it, tax it. I mean, they're talking right now. I mean, they're trying to figure out these like stimulus plans, try to get the economy back on track. Dude, you legalize weed? Legalize like hemp products? My god. I mean, we'll We'll be out of the recession and into a renaissance within like six months. Never mind. Like I just talked about stocks a minute ago. If this shit gets legalized, people buy up, buy up Taco Bell, buy up McDonald's like that shit is going to go through the roof. I mean, people are going to be <laughs> they're going to be munching on shit. Uh, let's do some video game news. Mass Effect. Mass Effect Legendary Edition. The trailer has dropped and man, I am excited for this shit. I love the Mass Effect games so much back in the day. Uh, Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. And as out of all of these, I, I'm excited. We're going to see some bells and whistles added. So it's they're all going to be remastered in 4K, 60 frames per second. They're adding some quality of life shit in these remasters as well, which the first game, 
Man, if you drove that Mako around some of those planets, that shit was clunky as hell. So I'm looking forward to hopefully they they kind of fix some of that shit. And they're adding some customization options for Commander Shepard. Uh, I think yeah, new new visuals, new hairstyles, all, all different bullshit like that if you're into it. But I'm excited in the core gameplay. Hopefully they can fine-tune it. The story is amazing, minus the very end of 3, which I'm not going to spoil anything, but it pretty much equated to, hey, here's three options, hit a button, and then that's the end of the game. Hopefully they can they can tweak a couple things here and there, but I'm excited. I love the Mass Effect universe, and uh, if we're getting a full remaster, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, man, I am looking forward to this news as well. I got a drop for this. Where is it? Oh, there it is. I like those odds. And I do like these odds. The Mandalorian was actually nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Drama Television Series. Pretty damn cool. You know, we talked about it before, but, you know, I think the the Mandalorian is the best Star Wars live-action property to release in decades. You know, it, it has effectively saved and lifted the Star Wars IP out of the grave after the uh the the latest films which really just shat on everything but i'm excited we're getting a lot of cool shit coming up with uh boba fett i know they're uh, i think it was like april they said they were going to start filming uh april or may they're going to start working on the next season of the mandalorian so it's cool to see it get some recognition it totally deserves it and uh yeah more uh more star wars two thumbs up it's a good thing speaking of a not good thing Let's talk about Activision Blizzard. Yeah, they deserve that loser horn because the Blizzard of old, Brian and I have talked about it many times, they are all but dead uh, since the Activision acquisition. And Blizzard, I mean, they're home of so many amazing, amazing IPs from Diablo to StarCraft to the Warcraft and World of Warcraft series. I mean, the, the list Overwatch, the list goes on and on. And they just had their earnings call, uh, which, you know, they talked to all of their their stockholders, all of the, you know, the, the big VIPs. And uh, Jeff Knightley, I'm sorry, Jeff Keeley actually tweeted this out. But I guess during the earnings call, uh, Activision Blizzard, they said they do not expect Overwatch 2 or Diablo 4 to launch in 2021. Diablo 4 isn't as much of a surprise to me, that game is, if you look at the, at least the development hell, which is ironic because the game is pretty much half set in hell, but the Diablo 3 launch was tumultuous at best, and it took a long time for that game to come out. Uh, I'm going to guess that Diablo 4 is going to follow suit. I'm hoping that the launch of Diablo 4, if they look back at the launch of Diablo 3, that they learn some fucking lessons. Uh, they don't pull the real money auction house bullshit or the error 34, all that other stupid crap that plagued the the initial launch. So my guess is Diablo 4, that is going to be a ways out. I would think 2023, best case scenario. 2024 or later would not even shock me, especially with that news we mentioned the other week where Diablo 2, a remaster, may be in the works. They may kind of quietly put that out there just to kind of quench our thirst on Diablo to hold us over till four eventually launches. But Overwatch 2 does surprise me. There's been a decent amount of gameplay. 
that has uh, leaked on this. They've talked about it. And I figured this was a lock to come out this year. And to hear that it's not going to launch this year, uh, it concerns me. Obviously, with COVID, everything going on, these studios, it's unprecedented time. They can't really you know, work. Everybody's working remotely. Uh, it's delaying things for sure. But, you know, Blizzard, man, they got to get their heads out of their asses. And uh, they, they've got so many good IPs that people are waiting for them to, to deliver on. And it's a bummer to hear that this shit's getting delayed for sure. But that about covers the news at random. And uh, let's get into let's get into some sports ball. So, hey, DA Sports. And today we will be covering the best and worst Super Bowl halftime shows of all time. And by we, I mean me. I am so used to using uh using using we. And I'm looking over at the uh, the empty mic over there. Brian, I hope you're feeling better, dude. I miss you. Don't leave me alone. No, I'm fine. I'm fine, people. Don't worry. So, we're going to be talking about the best and worst Super Bowl halftime shows of all time. We're talking the actual performances. And there's been some absolutely amazing ones. There's been some shit ones. There's been some that have been awful. But before we get into that... Let's talk about this year's Super Bowl. So let's talk about the halftime performance first, because that's tying into what we're talking about today. So this year, it's going to be the weekend. So hugely successful artist, one of the biggest artists in the world right now, and deservedly so. I love him. I mean, I, th- I think he's fucking great. His new album, After Hours, it it bumps, man. It kicks ass. And I'm just curious. Like he's He's been trying to make a lot of statements right now. With his music, with his platform, uh, he's been coming out like all bandaged up and bloody and shit. Uh, he's got like the fake plastic surgery and like shit going on. I'm curious if he shows up to this year's halftime show like that, or if it's just gonna be just him doing his thing. Uh, and it, I'm, I'm, I, I generally don't care either way because to me, like, I, I can very much separate like uh, the message from the music. Uh, especially with some of the artists we're going to talk about in a little bit that are a bit more controversial, but you know, to me, I think is uh, I think this album kicked ass. Um, I'm I really he's a great performer. There's no question. He put a ton of his own money into this. I think it's going to be a kick-ass halftime show. Hopefully, I'm not wrong. But let's talk about the real the real show for a minute. Let's talk some sports ball. Let's talk some football because uh, I actually I somewhat know what I'm talking about with football. So I'll, I'll talk about it for a minute. I know this is a fandom podcast, but guess what? Sports football, it is a fandom. People are hugely into it. It's pretty much, uh, it's you know, has a lot of similarities with D&D. I mean, there's stats. There's outside of rolling dice. I mean, it's it's, it's there, man. It's, it's a fandom. So we've got the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Stressing the Tampa because, my God, Tom Brady is in his 10th Super Bowl appearance. So I'm going to take a minute. I need to just, you know, (laughs) fucking Tom Brady, man. And Rob Gronkowski. I mean, this is effectively like the Patriots South in this Super Bowl, which it's not a surprise. 
If you look at some of the uh, the merchandise sales over the past two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, Tom Brady merchandise is through the roof. It's actually broken all sorts of records. And it's no coincidence if you look at where a lot of the purchases have been going. It's been New England, man. A ton of people buying Tom Brady merchandise. Tampa Bay Buccaneers Tom Brady merchandise and heading to New England. So, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we're... As, as a New Englander, we are so goddamn spoiled with seeing, like, you know, we jokingly call it the Tom Brady Invitational here in New England. I mean, the man is pretty much in the Super Bowl. He's been in the Super Bowl for half his goddamn career, which is insane. But, you know, he leaves the Patriots. Now he heads here, and he's fucking back again. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And then, you know, let's talk about the Bucks for a minute, and I'll give kind of my quick who I think might win. So, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're a stacked team. They are an absolutely stacked team, offensively, defensively. Offense, I mean, the wide receiver core alone, I mean, when you're rolling out Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown, that is ridiculous. And then you got Scotty Miller just running like a lightning bolt down the field and catching fucking touchdown bombs last minute. So, they've got weapons there. They've got fucking great tight ends. I mean, Rob Gronkowski came back. Cameron Brait, uh, two solid running backs. I mean, it, it's just it, it's just nuts. I mean, stacked. And then as stacked as they are, you look at the other side of the ball, the Kansas City Chiefs, my God. It, ridiculous. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, who is just, they're already calling him the baby goat, which to me, it's like, all right, you got to pump the brakes. All right, he's had an amazing start to his career. He's won one Super Bowl, but... It took already call him like the future greatest of all time. It's like you got to slow down. He's got a he's got a ways to go to catch up to Brady. But he has he's got the talent. He's got the weapons. I mean Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. They've got Clyde Edwards-Helaire in the backfield. So stack team. Uh, their problem right now is their offensive line is banged up as shit. So I think that is going to play a factor. And you're talking, you know, they're both experienced. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year. They have that experience. Brady obviously has more experience, which he's passing down to his teammates. I think it's going to be a close damn game, man. But at the end of the day, I really do. I think there is a Tom Brady it factor. I think he's going to win. I think the Buccaneers are going to, you know, right now I think they're three and a half point underdogs. I think they're going to win this freaking game. I could be wrong. I think the Bucs also have the better defense right now. They've been playing out of their minds. We shall see. But enough about football. Let's talk Super Bowl halftime performances. Which, honestly, there's a lot of people out there that when they watch the Super Bowl, they're watching it for the spectacle. And even if you're not a huge football fan, which I know a ton of people that aren't, they still watch the Super Bowl it is arguably the greatest sporting event in in the world out of all the sports and the the least the it, although I should say the most of which that's worth watching is usually the halftime show usually they go all out they've got the crazy musical guests that they bring in they pull out all the stops and shit gets nuts so i'm going to kind of ping pong here i'll kind of go uh, one good and i'll go one bad and I'm going to kick it off with what I consider to be the GOAT performance of Super Bowl halftime shows, Prince. Prince back in 2007, my God. 
So everybody knew that he would make this like a performance for the ages because it's Prince, man. That's what he does. But it was amplified by the atmosphere. There was a like there it was the, the Super Bowl was in Miami and there was the actual like huge thunderstorm going on when he came out and it started pouring rain. And he said, fuck it. He said, I'm going to play through it. Came out. And, like, he threw in, like, a bunch of, like, crazy shit. He did, like, a Foo Fighters cover, Best of You. They did Queen's We Will Rock You. Uh, started playing uh, All Along the Watchtower by Hendrix with a bunch of, like, Prince hits thrown in. And then, like, the coup d'etat started playing Purple Rain and just rocking out that guitar. And Prince is, like, Prince is an incredible, incredible guitarist. Like, if you're listening and you don't realize this shit, go on YouTube Look up Prince and just like type Prince like guitar, guitar solos. He is an amazing, amazing guitarist. But him just playing Purple Rain and then soloing while it's just pouring rain. I mean, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Something that was less amazing. (laughs) The Black Eyed Peas in 2011. My God. This was so goddamn bad. So, so bad. And this is back when, like, if you're talking, like, radio airplay, the Black Eyed Peas are, like, on top of the freaking music world. You know, they got that, I got a feeling, tonight's gonna be a good night. And everyone's like, oh, man, yeah, tonight is gonna be a good night. We got the Black Eyed Peas coming out. Shit's gonna be amazing. And guess what? It sucked. It was so bad. They came out in these, like, weird, like, robot suits that lit up. And... The whole performance was so phoned in. They just looked like they didn't even want to be there, mumbling through half of the shit, just kind of bouncing around. And then they pulled out... uh, Usher was there, too. Like, Usher was there trying to perform with them. And Usher, you could tell, he wanted nothing to do with this performance. He's like, all right, yeah, I'm out. Nope, nope, this is beneath me. And then, like, to me, like, the, the icing on the shit cake was, you know, the ladies and gentlemen... The one and only Slash. They pull out Slash from Guns N' Roses to start playing Sweet Child of Mine. And then Fergie jumps up to start doing the vocals and just butchers the shit out of it. And it was, uh, (laughs) it's bad, man. It was like, it was like a NASCAR, like just wreck pile up. Like it was so bad you couldn't look away. But, oh man, it was, uh, it was not, not good. Actually, yeah, just for that, you get a... Okay, Black Eyed Peas, one of the worst. Let's get back to one of the best here. So we kicked it off with Prince. Who else did a good job? You know who did a good job? You too. And no, I'm not talking about you listening. I'm talking about the band. You too, Mr. Bono himself. And this was back in 2001. And the reason this I had this on my list is one of the best was the timing as well. So. This was like literally a few months after 9-11 hit America and, you know, shit was just still going crazy. And, you know, you two, a band, you know, across the pond, they came out and they they dedicated this entire performance. They made like a, they made it a tribute to the victims and it was amazing. I mean, they came out, they did all the hits, you know, where the streets have no name Beautiful Day, MLK, just a bunch of their great hits. And, you know, Bono was on fire. The Edge was on fire. They sounded amazing. 
And then uh, you got Bono rocking out like the inside of his jacket. It's got like an American flag in it. And, you know, pushing, you know, anti-war, anti-violence. And it was it was emotional. It was just so it was a very emotional time. And I think they, you know, they could have they could have gone a different direction and didn't just not acknowledge this shit at all. But instead, they embraced it. I think they did an amazing job. So, yeah, that performance will always kind of ring true. I remember I was back in high school watching that, and uh, it was profound. I think they did a great job with it. So, you too. Good job. (laughs) Let's hop back to the worst for a minute. Oh, my God. This is tough for me. Like, Black Eyed Peas was bad. This, This may have been worse. Maroon 5. Back in 2019. What the fuck? I don't even know what the hell went on like with this performance. So you had Adam Levine and just looking like a complete jackass, running around, ripping his shirt off, like just like gyrating in front of the crowd. Like the rest of the band like is just kind of like trying to play songs. And then like pulling off the whole like it was so lame, like goes up to the mic. Hey, hey, can I can I play some guitar for you guys right now? You know, maybe I throw this strap over my pecs and play you a little play you a little serenade while I'm here on stage. And it was just I don't know, man. It was just nothing worked. Absolutely nothing worked. They had a couple weird cameos too, like Travis Scott, Big Boy. They randomly had like SpongeBob SquarePants cameo in at some point. Which, I'm sorry, if they had done the Sweet Victory rendition, that would have been kick-ass, but they were too lame to do even that. And, uh, yeah, it <laughs> it was weird, man. Honestly, like, it, it, especially, too, like, that whole, like, I got the moves like Jagger, and he's all shirtless, like, going in the crowd. It was like being at, like, a bachelorette party. Like, you know, the women or whatever go, ah! and it was just, I don't know, man. It was weird. Like, it just did not feel like a Super Bowl halftime performance. Like, whatever. If you're into that shit, if you're into Maroon 5 and you're at one of their shows and that's what you're there for, that's cool. But, like, dude, you're you're in a halftime show at the Super Bowl. Like, this is not this is not the right element to, like, be doing this shit. And, I don't know, the whole thing just felt phoned in. I, I did not enjoy it. And I know I wasn't alone in that. I know a shit ton of people enjoyed it. Or, I should say, did not enjoy it. Uh, although I should say my wife enjoyed it. She did like, you know, Adam Levine popping off that tight shirt. So let's see. Let's go back to, let's go back to a good one. Let's go back to a good one here. So we had Prince. We've got you two who both killed it. Let's go back. Let's go rewind the clock a little bit more. Let's go back to the OG, the original halftime Super Bowl performance that and then, again, this wasn't the first halftime performance, but this, in my mind, was this was the performance that literally catapulted and created the halftime performances we now have today. Let's go back to 1993, Michael Jackson. Say what you want about the man. Whatever. I mean, he's still king of pop, incredible artist. Maybe a shit human being. But that performance, man, hop on YouTube. Type in Michael Jackson halftime performance. This was the shit, man. Michael Jackson knew how to create a spectacle, knew how to create a show. Before before he did this shit, this halftime performance, 
You go back, you look at the other halftime performances, it was all like like marching bands from schools and like just like it, it didn't have that that element of, you know, he created like it, it was pretty much like a live music video, honestly. And he just brought he he elevated everybody after him to be like, all right, this is like a spectacle. But this performance, man, was so amazing. And it was again, it's a testament to how big of a star Michael Jackson was in the world. So nineteen ninety three, again, this is like this is still this is late game Michael. He's working on his resurgence and it hit, man. So he came out bunch of smoke he pops up he literally stands there in front of the crowd the crowd's going nuts for two minutes two entire minutes you can time it and he literally just stands there completely still like a statue does not do anything doesn't say anything not no dancing two minutes he's just standing on stage just letting the ground swell build and then boom right into billy jean you know black and white heal the world like bunch of like hits just one after another after another and it was it was amazing it was amazing to watch and i grew up on i was born in 85 you know late 80s and i grew up on michael jackson i still have home videos of me when i'm like three or four i'm dancing around in my feety pajamas i'm trying to do the moonwalk like i idolized michael jackson when i was little and i remember because I, I swear to God, I have like the the faint memory of of being roughly you know seven years old, watching this Super Bowl with my parents and like the halftime show with him doing this, and it was just it was unbelievable, unbelievable moment, moment, absolutely. Let's get to another shitty one. Oh man, yeah, let's talk about this one. Patty Labelle, Tony Bennett. Teddy Pendergrass and Miami Sound Machine from 1995. God damn. This this halftime show. So, I'm going to completely blame this on Disney. <laughs> Disney, what the F were you thinking? So, I mentioned, you know, Michael Jackson kind of set the stage for what performances should be. This was back in 93, so two years prior to this. I'm thinking Disney must have started planning this performance like... 10 years before it even happened because it was effectively and you can go back and watch it 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 was an indiana jones like live action like if you've ever been to like disney world and you go to that they've got like the indiana jones like live action show you can go to where like you know it's the indie running around and you know punching nazis and people are getting lit on fire and there's trucks exploding they did that like on the field like and while all this is going on You've got like Patti LaBelle and Tony Bennett up there, like just looking confused and terrified half the time. Like they have no idea what's going on. And dude, it is just weird. It is weird to watch. Go on YouTube and watch it. And then at the very end, just to shoehorn in more Disney because it's 1995. You gotta you gotta market. You gotta gotta market. You got the Lion King, which is a huge hit right now. You gotta end it with "Can you feel the love tonight?" So they all start singing "Can you, can you feel the love tonight?" from The Lion King. And while that's going on, you have a fake Indiana Jones like punching like Nazi dudes, 
and like the dudes is like pyrotechnics and there's dudes like lighting on fire their clothes are literally lighting on fire on the field and it's just <laughs> i don't even know man I, I in a way i could have put this in the best because it was just so bizarre to watch but yeah it was it was a disaster man it was weird go back and watch it if you haven't seen it back to the best around oh yeah let's talk about this one let's do a little gaga lady gaga 2017 and i was a big fan of this performance and a lot of people were worried going into this that you know lady gaga is she gonna make it extremely political is she going to make it weird which she can do sometimes and kind of weird people out but she didn't man she kept it uh she kept it all about the music all about the performance and it was amazing absolutely amazing and uh i was a big fan of oh my god i'm drawing a blank now the uh at one point it soloed onto her and it was just a piano set up on stage what was the song that's gonna kill me maybe it'll come to me later in any case went through a bunch of her hits all out i mean it it was just nuts and then like the the end was great because she was in like a this like sparkly outfit and it had these like almost like football looking shoulder pads and she like jumps off a platform at the very end like catches a football and like confetti and shit explodes it was uh it was pretty cool but yeah the the entire performance i mean it was just literally all of her hits in one giant medley and it was uh it was cool man i i thought it was great absolutely great all right let's get uh we've got a couple more here let's get on to one that's not so great again hop in the time machine for me and this is <laughs> this is a back-to-back disney f up new kids on the block 1991 one of the biggest acts in the world when they did this shit i don't know what disney was thinking man but again if you've ever been to disney world and if you've been on that uh if you've gone i should say if you go to epcot in disney and you go in the epcot ball you get the whole you know it's a small world after all they pretty much took that premise and shoved it on the halftime show stage and man it was it did not work it was creepy you had a bunch of kids all dressed up like running around everywhere as like the it's a small world characters and you had new kids on the block that there's playing like very much more like the, the songs and hits that are more oriented towards like the younger kids uh like the this one's for the children and uh it, it dude it, it was just it's weird it's weird man you, you got to go back and watch it it did not work again like i don't know what disney was doing early on in the 90s with trying to get into these halftime shows but disney nowadays man you're killing it keep up the good content you know you, you got marvel star wars on the right path keep on doing that don't don't do halftime shows anymore unless you want to stage like you have like marvel characters running out like fighting the mandalorian and shit that that'd be cool i mean you could, you could do that but yeah th- this one did not work new kids on the block yeah get out of my face all right yeah yeah let's get into the uh let's get some 90s 90s heavy hitters even though this happened in 2001 so this was like the to me this was like the 90s all-stars unite so you had britney spears in sync nelly and mary j blige 
And then lastly, a little bit of a blast from the past, but they had some big hits in the 90s too. Aerosmith, of all people. Yeah, I said that correctly. So you literally took all these people that were huge in the 90s, you threw them on stage, you threw an Aerosmith for good measure, and yes, it was a little bit chaotic, but, I mean, halftime shows, they're supposed to be a spectacle, and man, it worked. It worked. I mean, you even had Justin Timberlake in NSYNC. Dude, he had like, literal glitter firework gloves on he was like black he looked like iron man like shooting out fireworks everywhere pretty crazy to see but you know they went into uh brought aerosmith out uh they played walk this way you had everybody rocking out to that and it, it was insane just absolutely insane i mean you had uh nelly was like rapping over a joe perry guitar solo you got mary j blige up there like just belting shit out. So it was just insane. You got Britney Spears up there belting shit out, dancing, all the people from NSYNC. So they were pretty much like, all right, let's just pick up the phone. How many people can we fit on the stage at once? Let's do that. And uh, again, it was a little it was a little crazy, but I think it worked. I think it worked. It was a spectacle, especially for a 90s, a 90s kid. Like, you know, I grew up mainly my my informative years were in the 90s so it was uh it was interesting for sure and i think uh, i think it goes down as one of the more memorable performances all right uh yeah we're on the last bad one that i have and this isn't to say this was subjective these were some of the ones that brian and i were like came to mind <clears throat> when we we're going to the list and trust me there's some other stinkers out there and there's some other good ones but these were the ones that came to mind and this one may have hurt me the most because I was a huge fan of theirs growing up. I'm talking about The Who. So 2010, The Who performed and honestly, it sounded like they hadn't practiced since like the 80s. It was not good. It was not good at all. I mean, Pete Townsend, Roger Daltrey, it was very apparent that uh, that they, they just had no idea what was going on. I mean, it, it was... It was kind of embarrassing, honestly, like watching it, uh, forgetting lyrics. I mean, just going into wrong parts and it, especially as a musician nowadays, like just watching it and dissecting it like it was just an awful performance. They were not at all prepared. You could tell that I, for whatever reason, they hadn't played or practiced these songs in a long, long time. And uh, it was... <laughs> Uh, it, it was almost uncomfortable to watch. And it sucked, too, because, like, The Who. Talk about iconic rock bands. I mean, how was The Who is, like, top five, top ten? Just incredible, incredible. But they did not bring their best to this show. <clears throat> they didn't even bring their their mediocre to this show. It was, uh, it was shit. <laughs> it was real bad. So do yourself a favor. And uh, if you're going to go listen to some Who, don't check out their halftime show. Not good. And the last good performance I have, but again, there was there was a lot of good ones, a lot of really, really good ones. Uh, actually, a couple shout-outs that I didn't have in here, but the Rolling Stones, I thought, did a good job. They killed it. Even actually 2019, last year, uh, you had Shakira and you had J-Lo. I thought they did a good job. I uh, was a fan, again, huge, huge fan of Shakira, man. Those, those hips do not lie. But 2013, 
another uh, female superpower pop star, Beyonce, Queen Bay herself. And yeah, I thought she killed it, man. I, I really, really do. She came out again. She At this point, this was in 2013, got a ton, a ton of hits. And really the icing on the cake for this performance, you get the Destiny's Child reunion. You know, you got Kelly Rowan, Michelle Williams. They magically just show up on stage. And uh, they came out, all the hits again, just the spectacle, the this or that. They, they, they pretty much, every little checklist you could do, they hit all of it. And if we're talking to, like, you know, best and memorable, another thing that elevated this was, and it was ironic, too, because you had Beyonce call out to everybody towards the end. You know, everybody put your hands towards me. I want to feel your energy. Pretty much right after this performance was done, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome where the Super Bowl was happening, it plunged. It went into a 34-minute blackout. They lost power at the Super Bowl, and it delayed everything. And to me, it was such a a memorable, a memorable moment. You had the, the electric halftime show, so much energy, the surprise of the Destiny's Child reunion, and uh, then the whole thing just went black, and you had to wait for the power to come back on. And it was, uh, yeah, it was crazy, but there's been a ton of, just ton of, ton of crazy moments. I mean, hey, who could forget Nipplegate? <laughs> Janet Jackson's nipple on live TV uh, at the 2004 halftime show with Justin Timberlake. Uh, I, I mean, that was, that is going to be infamous in halftime shows forever. Uh, Left Shark, Left Shark from Katy Perry's Beach performance, which I don't know. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the Katy Perry performance itself. But, I mean, the left shark becoming a meme, that <laughs> that was classic. So good. But I think, I think that about covers it. And uh, 42 minutes strong. Damn. Damn, I'm good. I'm going to take a sip here. My throat hurts from talking that much. God damn. Brian, I got to get you back in studio, man. If I have to do this on a week-by-week basis, I'm going to start sounding like this. Well, Randos, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. Hopefully we have another Tom Brady Super Bowl next week. Big number seven. We shall see. But in closing, I am at Random. I'm out. Later. Later.